0: Shut up and sit down. Big sip of coffee before we get going. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. You're tuned in to episode 74 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast, and I'm Daryl. I'm your host, as always, and it's good to be back. So thanks for tuning in. And uh, coming back to join us again, if this is your first time, welcome. Um, we're going to basically jump right in, but I want to say thanks for uh, the feedback that we've gotten over the past uh, week or so. Uh, it's been great. Uh, we appreciate you, and uh, we appreciate you letting us know what you think about the show. Keep tuning in. Uh, we're going to keep getting better um, and keep, you know, talking about the things that we want to talk about, which, you know, this week there's been a ton of stuff. But before we get, uh, before we get going, uh, check us out. You can get this show on Spotify. You can get this show on um, iTunes, SoundCloud. Obviously, that's where we host. Uh, and then you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well. If you search at Quiet Part Loud, so those are all the main connection points. Uh, so go ahead and check us out. Let us know what you think. We always want feedback, and uh, we always want your thoughts. We'll, you know, what what do you want to hear about? What do you want us to talk about? Any subjects that are close to your heart that we want to, you know, maybe want to dig into we're happy to do that, take that on board and, uh, and give all the feedback consideration, um, as it merits. So, um, yeah, what's been going on this week, uh, super busy with work, my kind of nine to five, uh, which is, you know, which is great. I think I talked about this a little bit on the last show, but we're doing some really interesting things now. Um, and some partnerships on the horizon that are, are quite interesting and actually impactful. Um, so really looking forward to that and continuing to grow the business that I uh, work for on the kind of nine to five basis outside of podcast land, outside of the personal training stuff that I do as well. Um, personal training is going great. Uh, picking up some more sessions uh, with uh, with one of my clients who is an older lady, but on her performance, you wouldn't know it. And it's just a true testament to, you know, to what exercise um and consistency and hard work can do for a person of any age. And also the fact that you're never too old to get started. And if you make one degree of change in your life, what that translates into. Say a year down the road or two years down the road. I mean, it's it's just incredible what consistency can do for a person. Um, and uh, and one of my clients in particular is a real testament to that. And I'm actually seeing her uh, a couple of times this week. She's kind of stepped up things, and again, it's all good things. It's all good to see, um, and it's all positive energy that's that's coming uh, that's coming our way. So that's what we want to put back into the universe. Um, you know, and there are always things that we talk about here that don't rub up against the positive vibe spectrum, if you will, um, but still need to be spoken about because they're important and certain things need to be uncovered, if you will, uh, discovered, if you will, whatever it may be, furthering a conversation, furthering a debate, getting involved in it from, you know, from Jump Street, like the Jesse Smollett stuff in terms of, you know, him committing a hate crime by faking a hate crime. You know, I'm only now seeing some of the people that are still talking about this, starting to pick this up. And now it's really kind of gaining a little bit of traction. But that's that was our immediate thought. It was, it was well, this is in and of itself a hate crime, you know. So it's nice just to be kind of pushing that conversation to as many or as few of you, you know, hear this um, when we put it out. But that's what this show is for. It's to discuss things that maybe you can't talk, about around the water cooler in the office, or maybe you don't have a partner that, you know, wants to engage in, you know, quote unquote, heavy discussions. We want this to be an outlet for that. So, you know, diving into things that are maybe a little uncomfortable, a little bit awkward. That's the, that's, that's the sweet spot. You know, that's right between the numbers for us. So um so that's what we want to talk about. And and one of the things I want to talk about straight up the bat is picking up with um something we mentioned last last episode about Martina Navratilova. She was uh removed, threatened to be removed from an LGBTQ uh board, a number of different organizations, uh because she made a comment about transgender women and for anybody who's not familiar that is a man who then transitions into a woman uh being allowed to compete in female sports so i.e i'm a man i transitioned to a woman now i want to play female tennis martina navratilova has come out and said that is completely uh unfair and there is an unfair advantage given to the transgender woman in that in that scenario because they have gone through puberty they've gone through um Effectively, the entire development of becoming a man and then transitioning into a woman. So even though they're having their hormones cut in terms of testosterone levels, they still have things like bone structure, shoulder uh, width, you know, the ability to turn the hips in a in a certain manner that isn't you know afforded to biological women. There's a whole bunch of things um, that come into the physiology of you know a transgender woman um, competing against other women. But I think it's really funny now because again we're going back a week or so ago when we started talking about this and how you know this is complete nonsense from a physiological point of view and from you know from a competition point of view is completely unfair and that we were completely behind Martina in terms of her statement and what you know what her intentions were which was definitely not to be transphobic it was to state a fact based on biology and athletic performance by one of the greatest female athletes of all time so since then other female athletes have come out in support of martina navratilova paula radcliffe etc saying no 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 we absolutely agree with what martina navratilova is saying because we know right there's something like i think even serena williams said that like she probably couldn't beat a man in the top ranked in the top 100 men male tennis players So if any one of those in the top 100 decided, ah, you know what, I want to be a woman, that they would probably be, you know, up there with the greatest of all time. It's ridiculous. The argument is categorically ridiculous, but yet you still have people that virtue signal on the other side of this debate for the sake of virtue signaling on the other side of this debate. I saw a uh, sociologist speaking on uh, the Pierce Morgan Good Morning Britain program, and You know, as soon as you challenge this guy, as soon as Pierce challenged him or the female presenter uh, challenged him, he started yelling. And when Pierce did it, he was like, he said to Pierce, he said, silence now. Let me talk. Like, like, what are you talking about? You're on his show, you're having a debate, and you know, it should be fluid back and forth. But very quickly, under scrutiny, these arguments fall apart. And the only argument that the the sociologist had was, well, we're in the 21st century and we need to take a 21st century approach to gender. What does that mean? Like for a a scientist of social studies, right? A professor of social studies to come out and make that flimsy of an argument about why there is no advantage for a transgender woman to be ke- competing against female athletes and for him to not throw anything down in terms of sociological evidence or studies he may have reviewed in preparation for this interview to make this argument about why he thinks it should be a, p- a fair playing field. No, he said, we're in the 21st century and we need a 21st century approach to gender and sports or something like that. I mean, how how ridiculous can a person be? How ridiculous? Like, could you could you possibly imagine a response that would, that would cause any person to take that seriously? Like, worst response ever. Worst response ever. He had no merit in terms of data, studies, any evidence he could bring to the table. And he's a sociologist. It's in his fucking job title to know what the trends of society are. And groups of people. Right? So he should have this stuff to hand if he wants to become considered a transgender specialist or have even a professional quote-unquote opinion on why transgender people should be allowed to compete in the sport that they now identify with rather than that which they were born because again under scrutiny these arguments fall to bits and i'll tell you why it's very very simply because in all sports right you, you hear this well from the transgender community or from the transgender support community, right? Like this sociologist who's just virtue signaling for the sake of being a part of this progressive movement, right? Because the evidence doesn't stack up. It simply does not stack up. And I'll tell you why. People want equality of outcome and inclusion across the board unless it includes something dangerous. As soon as you start talking about the dangerous things that are predominantly dominated um, by men, you don't really hear much in terms of, you know, an equality of outcome or a gender pay gap issue, right? Example, construction workers. I don't hear anything about the gender pay gap or the equality of outcome and the gender kind of equal gender split in the workforce. I don't hear that conversation going on, right? I hear about it in things like, you know, computer programming and, you know, different things like that and, you know, the tech industry as a whole and, you know, different things like that. I, I hear that conversation going on in terms of, you know, equality of outcome. We have a diversity problem, right? We always hear this from, you know, the Googles and the Facebooks and, you know, this kind of crowd they they're all in for that sort of thing, right? But what I'm never hearing about are any of these champions of equality talking about how come we don't have a 50-50 split in the military. Or why the people who are doing, let's say, let's take a more extreme version. Well, you can't get more extreme than the military, but let's take a dangerous version, a uh, dangerous occupation like, I don't know, crab fishermen, right? Like the deadliest catch crew, right? Why is nobody crying out for a quality of diversity in that field or a quality of outcome in that field or professional cage fighters, right? You're not hearing about that. Firefighters, you're not hearing about that. Police officers, maybe a little bit you're hearing about that, but that takes me right on to an issue that I actually saw because they're going the complete other way, which is... Cheshire Police, right? There was an article, I think, in The Independent or something last week, and it was about Cheshire Police being sued successfully by a uh, an ex-candidate who was refused the job as a police officer because he was a white male and didn't tick enough diversity boxes. So there's a diversity quota here even when nobody's asking for it because people are scared it's gonna be coming down the line, right? So you've got this little police force that are looking for more of a equality quota, let's say. And they're doing it because they want to diversify in order to have a better public relation with the community that they occupy, et cetera, et cetera. There's a number of reasons why a police force might instill a practice of diversity or equality of, you know, uh, staff. But the transgender support community is not asking for this. The equal rights, the 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 LGBT community, the you know, the real social justice warriors out there, they're not going after these things. They're not going after the places that would go outside of the comfort zone. Let's say of the average person, because the guy that they the Chester police um, denied is like six foot two, you know, big white dude. I mean, the picture in the article, he has somebody on his shoulders. He's just smiling and like looks like he's like walking down a hill, like. You know, I would much rather have him. this is why I don't give a shit about a quality of outcome, and this is why anybody that does give a shit about a quality of outcome really probably hasn't given it the thought that it needs. Because who do you want busting through the fucking door if your house is on fire and you're stuck upstairs in your bedroom? Do you want some 125 pound woman or 140 pound woman? running up there hoping that she's going to throw you over her shoulders, carry you to safety? Or do you want some big fucking dude that's six foot two, built like a professional athlete, running up them stairs, throwing you over her shoulder and running back down? There is a physicality aspect to this that is not taken into consideration when you're talking about equality of outcome. There is a proclivity towards dangerous jobs and dangerous situations that is never taken into consideration when you're talking about equality of outcome or diversity in the workplace or equality of diversity in the workplace. Also, it is an untenable measurement because you can never split based on true equality of outcome. Because the variables are far too much. You can do it on race, you can do it on gender, (coughs) but somebody's getting left out. And someone in these situations will always find something to complain about. Which is why your best bet every single time is to do it based on a meritocracy. You do it based on the merit of the person in front of you and their ability to perform the task that is required. The best person for the job. Now, should everybody have an equal? Uh, the um, should everybody experience equality of opportunity? One hundred percent. If a five foot two, and ten pound woman wants to apply to be a firefighter, then she should most absolutely be welcomed into the application process. With the caveat of understanding exactly what the job is. So once you start going through the boot camp and once you start going through all the training and the fact that you have to lift that dummy up that like flight of stairs that most men don't do very well with, then let's keep going. If you want to keep going, let's keep going. The equality of opportunity is always on the table, should always be on the table, should never be removed. And anybody that thinks... Anybody that thinks that you shouldn't have a quality of opportunity is the same type of person that wants a quality of outcome. They're just on different ends of that circle, right? They still live next to each other at the top of that circle being extremes. But they're effectively extremes nonetheless, just on opposite sides of the coin. So... Be careful on both accounts. Someone who doesn't want equality of opportunity means that they want all that shit for themselves, right? That's where white privilege comes in. That's where racism comes in. That's where all that nonsense comes in. People who want equality of outcome think, well, I'm getting mine, even if the only way I'm going to get it is by claiming a victim status. That's where we're at. But the truth of the matter is most people don't act like that most people don't care about this stuff and most people don't act in a way that would intentionally violate somebody or offend somebody or discriminate against somebody most people aren't like that I don't think I don't think most people are good sweetheart angel types. But I don't think they're inherently fascist or racist or, you know, discriminatory. Of course, we, only, we all have our proclivities. We all have our bedroom talk or our pillow talk or our, you know, in-the-house talk versus, you know, what we would talk about in the office. We all have those versions where we joke around about, you know, stuff that may be on the border of inappropriate. Of course. But that doesn't mean that the people, you know that I'm working with, if they're different in any way, shape, or form, that I'm going to call that out or, you know, not interact with them or not value their opinion just because they're different in some superficial way. We have to work off of meritocracy. What do you bring to the table to be able to do the task at hand in the most effective way and more effectively than those people who are trying to do that job in you know, or take that job away from you via competition or whatever it is, right? Who are you hiring in application process? You're not hiring a woman because you need one more woman on the team. Because if that's how you hire, you're not potentially getting the best person for the job. Right? You can't split it based on equality of outcome. It's impossible. Because someone will always be underrepresented, Someone will always feel left out. And that's why the only way that you can move forward in terms of any of these discussions is to to go by merit. So with that in mind, let's look at the merit of these things. The merit that it's a 21st century and we need to take a 21st century approach. Well, if that means by allowing anybody that identifies as a woman to compete against women, or have the same rights as women, thats that doesn't have much merit in terms of an argument. What would have merit in terms of an argument is looking at the science behind things, looking at the physiology behind things, looking at the biology about things, And making a sensible outcome based on that and the merits within those findings, which are clear and undeniable. And anybody that wants to refute those better have some damn good evidence to the contrary. But again, these things fall apart as soon as you start to investigate just a little bit. Equality of outcome. Do you really want equality of outcome? Because if we have a quality of outcome, you have to have a quality of outcome across all things. Or you do not have a quality of outcome. That might risk your livelihood. Are you willing to sacrifice for the cause, as it were? If you were the data point, let's call it, that caused the inequality, would you sacrifice your safe self for the cause to make sure that you are one step closer to what you consider an an equilibrium to be? My guess is your mortgage and the ability of your family to buy groceries and go on holidays would would probably take precedent over that, so It's a very noble argument to attempt to make, but most people lack the courage of their conviction. So people can talk a big game, but when it comes time to actioning things within that game, they're somewhat reluctant to do so when it might have a personal impact on themselves negatively. The example of the transgender woman in the convenience store yelling at the poor boy who was attending the cash register when he mistakenly called her sir when she had a 5 o'clock shadow but was wearing a dress. That was a very inconvenient time for that person to be called sir and therefore reverted to Deepening his voice and making threats towards the boy who clearly had just made an innocent mistake. Um, inconvenience, you know. Good when it serves you. Not so good in the times where it gets a little tough. And I was having this conversation about Caitlyn Jenner. And, you know, formerly the, the athlete formerly known as Bruce Jenner. You know, is, is, is Bruce Jenner the female athlete of the year? What has Bruce Jenner done athletically as a woman? Has he technically become a woman? Or is he just manifesting the aura of a woman? I know he's had some tits put in. I know he's had his face chiseled down. Has he had the whole thing lopped off? Has he gone full transition? I don't know if he has. One thing I do know for certain is that this proponent of transgender rights is against anything other than traditional marriage. I know that for sure. I also know that Bruce Jenner killed a guy before he became Caitlyn or just after. And nobody talks about that. When it's convenient, it works, and when it's inconvenient, people run and hide. But it's all about merit. What is the merit of your argument, and what is the barrier to entry? I said this to somebody yesterday. I said, what is the barrier to entry? Just because I identify as a woman, I can now now claim the rights and access of a woman? What's my barrier to entry? Because as it stands right now, I could show up tomorrow at my office job and say, hey, You're not speaking to Daryl anymore. You're speaking to Darlene. So I'm going to start going to the female toilets. I'm going to start dressing in female attire. And anybody that doesn't respect my right to be a female is in violation of my human rights. And is being transphobic and offensive to me. And I want them punished. Do you understand the absurdity of what I just said? but this is the actual real scenario of a lot more people on a lot more frequent basis. My question here is what's the barrier to entry? You can't, in my opinion, just turn around one day and say you're you're a different gender. You can identify as whatever you want, but I don't have to take that. That's not a responsibility that I have to assume, right? To let go of my common sense to appeal to your change of moods or change of perception. That's not my responsibility to bend to that. And maybe that's an ignorant way of looking at it. What do you think? But should I have to? Like, or should my, like, if I did that, if I showed up at work, And wanted to be recognized as a woman. Should everybody just immediately say okay cool. Let's go Darlene. Do you think that the head of my department would want me going on any meetings? Is that discriminatory? Maybe by some people's estimation. Or would it be a question around my mental health? Because yesterday I was Daryl. But I've decided the next day I'm going to be Darlene. What's even better is the gender fluidity argument. The fact that I can go back the other way again. Daryl, Darlene Darryl. Imagine that week for my coworkers or my clients. convenient it's easy when it's convenient it's easy when it fits into the grand scheme of things right because there's not much of a grand scheme but the idiosyncrasies of life tend not to make this something that is uh too tenable but people are trying and when they try and things don't go exactly how they planned they play the victim and anybody that opposes that victim status becomes transphobic so it goes all the way full circle right because what we talked about was Martina Navratilova saying transgender women should not be allowed to compete against women tennis players because transgender women are at an advantage and her getting shit on and trying, people trying to discredit her because she's saying something on the merit of the science. She knew she was going to get flack for this, but she went ahead and did it anyways. Why? Because of the merit of her argument. And now she's starting to see that support. Now she's starting to see that, you know, people who want to question this a little bit, well, the argument, as I said before, falls apart under scrutiny. So we're in that position now where we have to fight against this tide of, you know, Absurdity, You know, I know we called the last episode, you know, absurdity looming. And we were talking about all these absurd things, including the um story. But like pulling up this Cheshire police being sued because, you know, the white, the huge fucking jacked up white guy didn't hit their equality quota is nuts. It's absolutely nuts. So just be on the lookout for these things because before you know it, they might be affecting you. They might be affecting you in your workplace. Or in your social life. And it's a slippery slope. But what's the barrier to entry? Can I just get into this transgender club? Because it seems like you don't really have to make too much of a commitment. Other than being a bit of a... What's the best way to say this? Having a couple fucking screws loose. You know? Anyways, moving on, moving on. I wanted to talk about... I wanted to talk about... um, we, We didn't talk about him last time, right? But I want to talk about Donald Trump. Because it's been a couple of weeks and some things have happened and they're pretty substantial and they need talking about. And I think in a way, the kind of the three things that I want to talk about in terms of Donald Trump all tie in. So the first thing is his summit with Kim Jong-un. Right? Where did they go? They went to Vietnam this time or something like that. And, you know, they were going to hash out the details. And he was going to demand the nuclearization. And, you know, why haven't you done it yet? <clears throat> so it got, to the, it got to the summit. And it coincided with Michael Cohen's testimony. Which was interesting. Right? Kind of reminds me of the Bill Clinton... Uh, what did he do? He bombed a... Uh, a factory that made ammunition, but it turned out just to be like uh, like a like a textiles factory. On the day that Monica Lewinsky was testifying about fucking him in the Oval Office or giving him a blowjob in the Oval Office, same day, by the way. So the day Michael Cohen was due to start his testimony in front of the uh, the House Committee, right? Well, that was when the summit was scheduled for. So that's nice and neat, right? But the summit fell apart. Why did the summit fall apart? Well, the summit fell apart because North Korea wanted the entirety of the sanctions that the U.S. has levied against them lifted. To then return with a you know, a promise of starting to denuclearize the country and their armament. But historically speaking, right? We've already spoken about this. Like, I don't know how many of you guys are new to the show, but like in episode twelve or something like that, way back, we we talked about. Well, it would have been it would have been when the first summit happened. We talked about denuclearization and what this means to North Korea versus what it means to Donald Trump in America, right? So. This is why no other U.S. president has ever done what Donald Trump is doing. Because every time it comes down to the human rights issue, the conversation falls apart. Which you'll notice Donald Trump does not engage Kim Jong-un on a humanitarian uh, perspective or with any agenda points about the humanitarian, um, the abhorrent behavior and the abhorrent treatment of... Of the citizens in the concentration camps and the labor camps, and you know all of the subjugation of their population and you know control of the population, which you know is as a big as Big Brother a state as you can get, right? So, one, the conversation always falls apart on the human um, on the human rights uh, aspect and the violation around human rights. The second thing is. They're never denuclearizing. They're never denuclearizing. The denuclearization is just a term of basically America not nuking them. That's effectively how denuclearization came about in the discussions between America and North Korea. And this goes back to Bill Clinton. So it's not about them getting rid of their nuclear weapons because they're never going to because well in a more recent example they know what happened in libya right qaddafi gave up his arsenal all of a sudden well we have to come in you know what do they say what's that meme say it looks like libya needs some freedom Looks like Venezuela needs some freedom, right? With the big fucking bald eagle and the American flag behind it, which basically means America's coming to invade you. Looks like Iraq needs some freedom. Looks like Syria needs some freedom. Looks like Vietnam needed some freedom, you know? So when you're talking about denuclearization on the topic of north korea doing so that's never going to happen they've never intended to do that that's never been part of the base negotiations and the fact that trump didn't have any historical context on this is probably one of the reasons why these discussions have fallen to bits because he's an ignorant asshole that doesn't want to study or do any research or preparation for any of these high-level meetings or negotiations that he wants to you know make himself good make himself look good by going into even though he comes out of them with jack shit you know so denuclearization for north korea is never going to happen because they know the moment they do they are now a sitting duck they know that their control over the population falls apart they know their control and their uh, kind of their you know their ability to negotiate with south korea but also do business with china by all but also you know kind of keeping the us at bay This is all predicated upon the fact that they have an armament and they're not letting go of their ace in the hole, right? This is the ace up the sleeve. They're not getting rid of that. Denuclearization in these talks means that America will not nuke them into the Stone Age or worse. But that seems to be fundamentally lost in these conversations, and when you got a guy like John Bolton doing some of the, you know, framework of how these things are negotiated and structured going forward, it's no wonder these things are falling apart. Then you put a retard like fucking Donald Trump at the helm, and of course they're gonna go nowhere. You're dealing with two sociopaths. One that's got he's third generation, right? Kim Jong-un. He's had practice. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly how to manipulate a guy like Donald Trump. And Donald Trump thinks he can just bully people into doing shit. And that's not how global diplomacy works. And that's not how negotiating with someone as ill-minded as, you know, the descendant of these folks, Kim Jong-un, is. Like, Kim Jong-il was a fucking nightmare. His dad was a fucking nightmare. Like, they're missing the point. So anyways, he says, well... I want all the sanctions lifted before I promise anything to do with denuclearization. Trump's like, right, see ya. <coughs> Causes stink on the same day that Cohen's starting to give his testimony, which detracts from that and puts the focus on Donald Trump making a blunder out of the summit again. So maybe it was done on purpose. Maybe it's just his absolute incompetence to do any negotiation, uh, negotiating or uh, foreign policy, right? Take your pick. It's probably a combination of both, but it comes conveniently at a time where his ex lawyer, former lawyer, former fixer, is giving some of the most damning testimony that we've heard to date about Trump, his organization, his financials, the way he bullies people, the way he conducts his business operations, etc., etc., etc. So one can believe that the fuck up with the North Korea summit, could have been a distraction piece to take away or limit some of the coverage that was given to Cohen and his testimony. Unfortunately, one of those two stories has a longer shelf life. And if you guess the Michael Cohen testimony, then you'd be correct. Because after the fizzle out of the fuck up in uh, Vietnam, people are still talking about Cohen and his testimony. And the fact that he's now implicated Donald Trump in about 11 different felonies named names with I think about 10 different people associates or you know former associates that can link evidence to the claims that Cohen was making about these transactions intimidation you know payoffs etc and he can point to the people who will know directly about these things One of the most effective parts of his testimony was actually when he was, uh, when, when the freshman Congresswoman, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was given her five minutes to give some questions to Cohen. And if you've not seen this clip or you've not seen her in action on the, um, on the House floor, then you should definitely check her out. (coughs) I don't agree with everything she says. She's a bit too far left for me in a lot of instances. Um, Her big green deal um, you know, was, for the most part, seemed very, very good, very sensible, and for for all accounts, I agree with the vast majority of it. What I don't agree with, like a lot of people have pointed out, is the fact that within her original draft, she said that everybody unable or unwilling to work should be giving universal basic income categorically not my stance on it I think it's categorically um, irresponsible to do that and I don't think it works out well in the long run so you know in certain ways there's certain things I don't agree with her about um, but there's a lot of things I do agree with her on one of the things I admire about what I'm seeing from her in her early days as a congresswoman is her ability to use time very effectively. When delivering and receiving, uh, when delivering questions and and receiving answers to those questions, she's very sharp. She a- she asks <coughs> very good questions to get immediate responses, um, and so she can kind of quick fire. And she did this with campaign finance reform uh, debates that she was going through, and she did it with Michael Cohen. And she asked specifically for names. And again, if you haven't seen this clip, go ahead and check it out on YouTube. But What I think is hilarious is the fact that on that day, you have Trump and uh, Kim Jong-un having a fall-apart summit that goes nowhere. Complete waste of taxpayers' money, complete waste of time. At the very same day, this is all falling apart, or coincidentally or not, Cohen is being questioned and giving testimony about Donald Trump on the committee floor, and AOC is getting the most damning information out of him of the whole thing. So what happens next? Well, the distraction piece of the North Korean summit didn't work. So now what's gone on is it's detracted away from... it's. They're trying to detract away from that testimony of Cohen's by pointing illegal finance... Uh, like, campaign finance violations to Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez. They're now saying she's accepted dark money. They're now, like, the conservative news outlets. Like, there was a, there's an organization called, uh, one sec, I'll get it for you. It's called the, bear with me, the National legal and policy center right so Fox News I watched a clip on Fox News and they're saying well this report it was um, you know this complaint was filed by the National Legal and Policy Center which sounds quite official right well if you go to uh, nlpc.org and have a scroll it's basically a Fox News website it's basically uh, a website that only attacks people on the left and makes them seem like villains like, the first one is a picture of um, AOC, and it's her appearance on some talk show, but it's it's under the headline. This is the National Legal and Policy Center, by the way, right? Their, uh, their slogan is Promoting Ethics in Public Life, founded in 1991, the first actionable button on the page is to donate to them, of course right? The second one is also to donate to them. Then they have a list of accomplishments, a link to that code of ethics and a union corruption update. Then it goes into a newsfeed style, um, display and under the subheading, what's hot, right? What's hot. This is the national legal and policy center. I would expect what's hot to be on fucking Buzzfeed, not a national legal and policy center website, but nevertheless, under what's hot right it says FEC complaint filed against Republican Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for extensive off the books campaign right well that FEC complaint that was filed against her was filed against the website that I'm reading it on this is complete horseshit and again, it's a complete distraction piece to take away from the actual criminal doings that are taking place by that president and the Republican Party and the conservative, the, the, the ultra-conservative part of that country that's trying to protect him. Check out the National Legal and Policy Center. It is an absolute fucking joke. The next one is, New Book Reveals Deep State Role in Pakistani Infiltration of House Democrats. What? Some conspiracy theories act- describe actual conspiracies and ignoring the evidence can put the nation in harm's way. Like this is fucking horseshit. It's nothing but propaganda, conservative propaganda. And the fact that any news outlet can claim the NLPC as a viable source of making complaints at the FEC against anybody is categorically laughable. So all you got to do is, and this is why I say to people, you have to look at both sides of everything. If I'm liberal in most of my leanings, which I am, I always listen to conservative media outlets. From the most extreme to the most benign, I always listen to them. Because you need to know what the other people are saying about certain topics that might affect you, may not affect you, but you might have a position on. All of these things are critical in terms of developing your own independent thoughts and opinions on things. Rather than being stuck in an echo chamber and just talking about things the way your inner circle or close like, close um, acquaintances, friends talk about it. Because we generally are around like-minded people on social media. We follow like-minded people. We follow groups that are of like-minded opinions of us. We don't go outside of our comfort zone when it comes to consuming information anymore. This is something that social media has effectively eradicated. Jack Dorsey says it on Joe Rogan when he gets interviewed. You know, we create echo chambers, you know, to to a fault, he says. You know, and something that they need to address. But they're not going to address because that's how they create these things. That's how you're able to sow discourse. That's how you're able to further a... An agenda of identity politics. You identify with this side of the aisle. You identify with this side of the aisle. You're on this side of transgender issues. You're on this side of transgender issues. You can't be on both sides or you're not part of our team. Pick. This is what happens. You remove nuance. You remove context. You remove any variability in conversations or subject matter. But you have to look at both sides of the argument or you're not going to be able to do any critical thinking for yourself. And you will just be stuck in this mindset that doesn't update. It's software that keeps repeating itself. It's not getting any better. Explore the other side. Explore the stuff you don't like. Explore the stuff you don't agree with. How else are you going to have your mind changed on anything? How else are you going to be able to have true perspective, have true debate on anything if you don't look at both sides? So even when I was watching Fox News and they were trying to rip uh, Ocasio-Cortez apart, like basically, they were basically ready to sentence her to prison, right, off of this... NLPC filing of the SEC which is obviously constructed obviously made up obviously for the purpose of slandering her and discrediting her and things like that but if you just dig a little bit and if you just watch the footage even the Fox News footage that I watched there was one person on that sofa that was saying listen the evidence will bear out the results of this. And we will figure out whether she's guilty of campaign finance violation or not. But the evidence is not there. This is just a complaint. And people like to attack this girl because she's making waves on the political scene. And even her colleagues on Fox News were like, ah, You don't know what you're talking about. You know, she's always doing this and she's dirty and she's, you know, she's a criminal. Like, fucking just everything they should be saying about Donald Trump, they're saying about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez it, it's it's hilarious to me but there was one slight murmur of reason even on the Fox, um, Fox News sofa and I didn't catch the girl's name or I'd give her a shout out right now they didn't really do it because it was just one of those kind of clips from the show but the way they jumped on this NLPC uh, filing as being you know case closed is just hilarious and then they turn it around to things like, oh, you're against air travel. How come you took a plane to your meeting? Like, fuck off, guys. Like you switch the subject, right? So again, there's no merit in these things. And I think you have to look at what the what the merit of people's argument is. And if you're only listening to one side of the argument ever, how are you supposed to know what the other side is doing, saying, considering, debating? arguing about within themselves you don't know any of that stuff so you have no true perspective on things right i equate it back to like the goodwill hunting scene where they're sitting on the park bench and you know he says there's nothing i couldn't learn from you that i couldn't read in a book right you don't know what the sistine chapel smells like you don't know what true love is all about because you haven't actually experienced anything the only way you can have true exper- uh, true perspective Is to have true experiences. And to have true experiences you need to go outside of your comfort zone. What are you going to learn about Mexico sitting in an all-inclusive resort? What are you going to truly learn about Paris if you only see the Eiffel Tower? What do you know about England if the only thing you know is the Queen and Buckingham Palace? There's no context. There's no nuance in that. So I try to look on both sides of the coin. And when I look at this, I think this is this is the attempt at a smear campaign for someone who is putting the clamps on Donald Trump in a legal way, in a systematic way, and who is doing it in an effective manner. So they're trying to do that because the summit didn't work in, ter- in turning distraction pieces, uh, in, in terms of being a distraction piece towards the Cohen testimony. That was only highlighted by how well... AOC can question and deliver questions and get answers out of people, especially when Cohen was more than willing to give her those answers. It was uh, it was something quite effective to watch. Um, but obviously, they had to do something to try to take away any of the uh, legitimacy, the credit, the credibility, or you know, any of the merit in her arguments. Right, stay in there. We're always in a theme. Stay with me. You know. Um, But uh, I think it's just funny. But you got to look out. You got to look out for both sides. You got to know what other people are saying, right? Have perspective, guys. Have perspective. Do a little bit more digging. Spend a little bit more time investigating, and you'll be so much better off as a result of that. Um, So that's what's going on in America. In the UK, we are just about fucked. I mean, we've got 23 days. Before the Brexit decision, apparently we've got a vote coming in in six days or something like that, seven days, um, to find out where we are in terms of our latest non-deal. The Labour Party have turned around now and said they support a second referendum vote. The factions within the Conservative Party and the Labour government have broken away to start their own political party without a leader, saying they want to be a true representation of, of the British population. They are no way ever going to get my vote because I think they're a bunch of cowards. I think they're a bunch of virtue signaling pussies and uh, the way they broke away and under the pretenses of which they broke away, I don't trust them. I think they're liars. I think they are exactly the people we've been talking about during this episode and I think they're people you need to stay away from. That's my personal opinion and I don't fucking know any of them but what they're signaling is that. I'm not looking for people to soften the edges of the world. I'm not looking for people to make it comfortable for everybody. I'm not looking for people who are too scared to actually stay and change things within a party. <coughs> but in the same respect, you know them jumping out and doing something independently is is, you know, potentially not a bad thing. I just have no faith in the competency of these politicians. and I think even the breakaway factions of these incompetent groups will ultimately be incompetent. So, let's see what happens, but I'm not I'm not looking at it optimistically, let's put it that way. I'm not looking at Brexit optimistically, I'm looking at it realistically, and the realistic outcome of Brexit is going to be a goddamn shit show that affects everybody except the rich. And isn't that ironic that the people who are going to be affected least by it didn't actually want it to happen? It's the middle class, it's the working people, it's the working class families that, you know, that are in Middle England and shit, that voted for this. And they're gonna be the ones that get fucked worse by it. But of course they took the decision to do it because, like, let's dangle 350 million a week in NHS support, let's dangle, you know, the reduction of illegal immigration and, you know, keeping the terrorists out, they're stealing our jobs, and the foreigners that are stealing our jobs, the like, fuck out of here. You know, these are basic premises of why people voted to leave the EU. And now we're stuck in a position where we might lose some of what the UK has always been based on the fact that we can't do simple negotiations around customs unions and borders. It's disgraceful and everybody involved should be sacked for incompetency. So until there's an update on the vote, I'm going to leave it there and just say that I'm disgusted with the state of British politics. It's not even entertaining. At least you can garner some TV time and a couple of laughs from how stupid the people in America's politics are. You can't even do that in, in Britain because we expect more from them. But we get just the same. Just the same incompetency. Just the same lack of detail. Lack of explanations. Lack of attention to the constituents that put them in the job in the first place. And they're just running on this track. Like they got the... Like, Theresa May's got the nerve to sit there and smirk when people are asking her questions about what's going to happen with this and what's going to happen with that after Brexit. And she's like, I already explained it. Like, fucking, who you smirking at? You think this is funny? This shit is not a joke, man. You're about to plunge us into a recession for a political m- political motive. Because you can't say, you know what? This whole thing is fucked up. I didn't ask for it. I've been thrown into it. I inherited this thing. And it's a goddamn mess. So we're going to call it off. Political pride. Fuck. What a blinding light that is. Well, she's going to blindly drag us all into a recession state. And it's going to be a shit show following. And I guess... I guess the point that pisses me off the most is that nobody's doing anything about it. Like, nobody's standing up to take actual corrective measures. Like, nobody's saying and countering to her when she says, I'm doing the will of the British people. No, you're doing what the will of the British people was once in a very misinformed manner, but you're not doing that now. I've spoken to too many people about this to think... That it's an anomaly that just those people I've spoken to would love a second referendum. I don't believe it for a second. And I think if you put it out to the people of the country to say, what should we do? No Brexit or no deal, no Brexit. Um, Basically, Brexit with the backstop or a second referendum I think you get a second referendum, overwhelmingly. So we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks, but it's worth keeping an eye on because it is potentially going to plunge us into a recession. Um, So we'll see. But, you know, it's a nightmare situation uh, that definitely needs uh, some sort of resolution. I am not in favor of extending this any further than it already has been. So we'll see what comes out of that. Um, And I guess... (laughs) What else is there to talk about? I mean, there's so much to talk about. We could talk about the India um, and Pakistan war that is basically uh, turning out to be more of a propaganda war than a true armed conflict, you know. Um, I don't want to get into that right now. But I do want to just recap quickly the event from last weekend uh, that the UFC held in Vegas, UFC 235, Um which was uh, John Jones and Anthony Smith as the main event, Tyron Woodley and uh, Kam- uh, Kamara Usman in the co-main event, and you know there were some really good fights on the card. Cody Garbrandt got knocked out uh, by Perez, and that was a uh, Perez, and that was an amazing scrap. Anyways, Johnny Walker absolutely KO'd. Um, that Canadian fucking polar bear looking motherfucker with a flying knee that was just textbook perfection. Um, ben Askren had his UFC debut. He won, but it wasn't a it wasn't a good win. It was a bit of a ref fuck up. Bit of a a bit of a weird one where Robbie Lawler said he was out and then he wasn't. Um, But Ben Askren's a tough bastard because he took some hammers off of Robbie Lawler and uh, and still managed to kind of reverse the position, get a hold of him, and put him in the position where ultimately, let's be honest, if Herb Dean doesn't stop the fight, Ben Askren doesn't let go of the choke. And anybody that thinks you can't put either a guy to sleep or make a guy quit just by having um, like a bulldog choke or a headlock, as it were, across the guy's chin... They don't know the first thing about wrestling, they don't know the first thing about grappling and they don't know the first thing about MMA because you can absolutely make a guy quit, you can absolutely make a guy pass out and you can absolutely hold that thing for as long as your grip will allow and if you're in Ben Askren's position, you could have held that for another 2 minutes easy. So, you know, it's uh, you know, was it just kind of postponing the inevitable? I don't know, but they wanted to run it back, Ben Askren doesn't want to. He wants the winner of Darren Till Masvidal, which is this weekend in London. Um, I'm not going because I've got some other shit to do, but, um, but I will be watching it, uh, and it should be a hell of a fight. Masvidal is no joke, um, you know, and Darren Till needs to come back and get a pretty impressive win um, after he got fucked up by Woodley. Uh, in his title fight and then Kamaru Usman does what he did to Woodley in there so it shows a massive potential discrepancy there and I know MMA math doesn't work but you get a sense that Darren Till might still be a bit young in the game and I was guilty of overhyping him like I have been on numerous occasions with numerous other people, but I truly think that he has uh, championship potential. Darren Till, I think he just needs to dial it all in, um, and he's actually a pretty bad matchup for Usman, other than the wrestling. You know, if he can stay away from that, then you know he he he's got a pretty good chance um, against uh, against the new champ. Um, and then obviously Johnny Bones Jones does what Johnny Bones Jones does and just outclasses his opponent to get whatever victories necessary. And he admitted that he had to be more tactical after, you know, he realized that, you know, Anthony Smith just wasn't being phased by his, by John Jones's power, which shows you what a savage Anthony Smith is. He also got, um, what was it? Kicked in the face or kneed in the face or something. Uh, It was an illegal shot, but like all these pussies online are like, oh, he should have just quit and took the victory. And I'm like, Thinking to myself, what a fucking joke kind of comment that is. Like, Anthony Smith's a goddamn savage. And it just shows you how good, again, John Jones is, greatest of all time, um, in terms of nullifying an uh, an opponent's strategy and imposing his own, you know. And being able to change and adjust on the fly, which is what he did brilliantly in that fight. um, And just basically shut Anthony Smith down, who's been parking people and knocking them the fuck out, you know, for the last sort of 10 fights, as it were. So... Um, shame about Anthony Smith, but he took it like a man, uh, you know, took it as a real good sport, real good loser. Um, and John Jones is on to the next one and I don't know who they're going to put against him next. I think Dana White would like to have Tiago Santos fight him, which is crazy because Tiago Santos is a fucking savage as well. Um, there's also Johnny Walker, but it's a bit too early for that, I think. <clears throat> but these things are, you know, taking along in the background. We'll see. We'll see. But it's exciting times. I'm looking forward to this weekend's event with Masvidal and Darren Till because I'm a big, big Darren Till fan. And if you guys don't know who um, Jorge Masvidal is, you need to check him out because he's a real deal. uh, Diaz Brothers type of affiliate, uh, partner, training training partner, team member, etc. He's no joke, man. He's a real deal. He's a real fighter. I believe... He was a backyard fighter before he actually got into professional MMA. So, you know, he's properly from the streets. He's properly down to scrap. He's got skills in all area. And it's a really tough match for Darren Till. So it'll be a really good showing because I believe um, Colby Covington is probably going to get the title shot at Usman next. And then I think what you're going to have is probably the winner of Till Masvidal. Uh potentially fight Askren and the winner of that fights the title holder after Usman and Colby Covington fight that's my kind of envision for that division envision that's my vision or my my perspective on that division going forward so we'll see what happens we'll see what happens but it's all good stuff um a couple things to watch that I've been recommended uh Surviving R. Kelly which I haven't checked out yet and also uh what's it called Leaving Netherland apparently uh r kelly has also done a very very recent like in the last 48 hours interview that's online i haven't found it yet but i am going to go check it out because i heard it's just i just heard it's crazy like you know but we'll see i don't know what the content is so i can't comment on it um i've also heard that the leaving neverland thing will make you delete all of michael jackson's music as well um so two things to look out for i'm going to check them out between now and the next time I jump on the mic, so I'll give you guys a review and what my thoughts are with that. And um, I think that's it, guys. I think we're gonna wrap. We're just over an hour, so um, it's uh, it's Wednesday evening, and I gotta go eat dinner. I I can hear I can hear stuff being prepared in there, and, uh, and I wanna go lend a hand uh, in the other room. So I'm gonna I'm gonna peace out for now. Uh, but this is this is just one in a million, baby. I mean, we're we're not done. We're just getting warmed up. Uh, so stick around, tune into the next episode. Um, again, like I said, at the beginning, you can get us on iTunes, you can get us on Spotify, you can get us on SoundCloud and you can follow any updates that we might post on Facebook and Twitter by searching at quiet part loud. Um, and that's it. I'm Daryl. I'm your host. I'm, I'm here all the time. You know, I'm going to try to get back this week and, and get another one in, but Friday's looking busy. Um, so it's not Probable, but it is possible, and if it's not, then I'm gonna try to knock out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday evening next week. But again, these are sometimes delusions of grandeur, and we will do what we can to get back on the mic um, with good things to talk about, good stories to to, to bring to you guys, and uh, and let's keep this train moving. So I'm gonna I'm gonna peace out now. So have a great evening uh, or a great day, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, and if we don't speak before the weekend, enjoy yourselves. If you're living in London, put your raincoat on because it's pissing down all the time. And, uh, and, and that's it, guys. So um, I'm your host, Daryl. This is A Quiet Part Loud, Episode 74. And until next time, all the best.